Welcome. And we actually have Paul with us, not the guy who wrote the book that we're looking through, but Paul Shaver. He'd be really old at that. That would be awkward, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Who are you? What do you do? I am a gospel community leader here at Element. Uh, Co-lead the the Shift GC with um, another, my wife and I do with another couple. Um, Why why the shift? Why the name the shift? Because life is always shifting because there's always new things coming up. There's always new things that you're adjusting to, um, you know, and as a community of, of believers sharing life together, um, you know, that's what we're there to do is support each other through those shifts. And so a little play on words. That's good. This week, we are in week 14 of the book of Galatians, and we are starting chapter four. And the way Paul starts this week is talking about his two cents. He's, he smells. We've got two different smells. Two no, no, cents. A... I, speaking of your GC, I heard that you guys paired up with another GC for like a game night. How'd that come about? Uh, we do this every once in a while. We did one with um, the Van Solinger's GC last summer. Living life in, in these community groups is, um, you know, sharing what you're doing in your community groups with with other groups. I think that's the great thing about doing the, the GC leader cohorts that we do is getting to a good idea of, of, you know, how other groups do things. Making time to do those joint events, barbecues or, um, you know, game nights or something like that. I think it, it just is an extension of the community building that, that we as the church should be doing. I agree. agree. And we get a lot of people saying like we're cliquish and and groups are isolated and like, they don't have to be, they could pair up. So you guys got together for games and dinner. It sounds like. Yeah. So we did a, I think for that one, we did a potluck dinner. Everybody brought something. We, I love that. I love that your, your groups got together in a simple dinner. And and of course, if you don't know about, Kevin Kynert's game room. He literally has like a know, game room, a game room. That's, that's as big as my house. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, so if you ever need a place, maybe you could butter up to Kevin, uh, and maybe he'll host cause he does like hosting. Yeah, he does. He does. So the reason I called this message adoption and Paul's two cents is, you know, way back when two cents was, this is my opinion about a particular thing, but I changed it, you know, because it's not sense like in money. It's sense as in not smell either. It's sense as in two cent. Like he will say two times that God first sent his son and then he will say God sent the spirit. And they do two different things in the sendings that Paul talks about. The first sent is the son. And what the son does is he brings us to a place of being heirs with Christ. It's what the gospel does, the result of that. But the second sent is that God then sends his spirit into our hearts. And that spirit coming into our hearts teaches us to cry out, Abba, Father. It changes us to have an experiential relationship with the Father. That doesn't mean that we seek an experience because a lot of people you know, try and seek an experience. But it is, as we understand what Christ did in that first scent, it starts to change how we relate to God, how we relate to the world, how we relate to really anything that takes place. Because God's spirit is now moving us to remind us of the good things that Jesus has done in our lives. And that causes us to be those who have an experiential relationship with God that we cry out to him. Okay, so in in talking about adoption, you know, when we when we talk to our gospel communities, there there's going to be probably some people who just don't relate because they don't understand what adoption really is. And both of you guys actually do because you have both 
adopted children into your life. But briefly tell me like your adoption story and then your adoption story. So we're actually getting really close, uh, like a week away from it being like 15 years since um, my wife and I adopted each other's children. So um, I had two boys from my previous marriage and she had a, a son from her previous marriage and neither of neither of the other parents um, from the previous relationships were in the picture. And um, we had a conversation with the kids and they were all, um, you know, eight, seven, eight years old at the time and kind of sat down and talked about what it would look like. And they were all for it. And so we started the process. Did know. they understand that? Like, did you have to explain what it would look like? Because did they already call her mom at that point? Oh, well, yeah. She had been their mom for, for eight years. I had been dad to her son for, for eight years. And there wasn't, you know, it, there wasn't even a, a, a stepmom, stepdad relationship. There's the only parents that, that these kids knew. And so it was, it was, it was a natural thing to do, but at the same time, the kids, they all still remembered their other parents. Right. And, mm. and we wanted to make sure that we weren't doing something in, in this situation where, you know, we were, you know, making an executive decision that, that didn't mm. involve them. And so it was a conversation and, um, you know, really it was just a conversation around, you know, formalizing that, that we are accepting ultimate responsibility for each other's children. And that's, you know, that's not just social or cultural responsibility, it's spiritual, um, responsibility as well. Right. And so I think it took six or eight months. Um, and it was actually on the youngest's eighth birthday, um, that we got a phone call. We were headed out to go bowling and phone rang and the lawyer said, Hey, we got this thing done today. I was able to do it without, um, you know, scheduling a court date because the judge signed off on everything. And the parents, the, the, the biological parents on both sides had, had signed off on it. And, and so was there a celebration? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, cool. It was great. It was, um, when we got the actual documents, um, there was provision in the adoption for, for our middle son, um, to have his last name changed. And so that was really cool too, mm -hmm. because he got to be a shaver. If so. you can't see, Paul is getting very <laughs> choked up right now. <laughs> so how about you? I mean, what's, what's, you know, what's your story in that? Met my wife while she was a resource parent, foster parent to a kid. From the day one, it was a, it was called what was like a dual tract where if things went south, she, she had already committed to adopting as we kind of got serious and very quickly and then got married uh, I, at the wedding, committed, actually brought him to the front, and we actually prayed uh, over him and committed, um, no matter what happened, that we would love and see him as ours, even if adoption didn't come. And at that point, it looked like it was coming. Um, but, you know, with courts, it's especially fostering, it's not done until <laughs> it's done. Uh, so we adopted him, and then we ended up getting pregnant. Then we got a call that baby brother was born. <laughs> Or and uh, was two days old, and so we ended up taking him in. Uh, same thing. He's a he's a foster kid. A w parallel kind of adoption as the backup. So yeah. So we we ended up adopting uh, Elisha, and now we are as of yesterday, uh, parental rights were terminated on Breacher, and um, there's now a 60 day window. After the 60 days is up, we will officially be in the adoption process, which the social worker who I trust on this says. It'll happen within a month. So actually, we're looking July is the uh, the date for adoption for him. You know, the 
word we get our modern word for adoption from is a mid 14th century word that means really that you want this, you you seek after this. And we see that's how God wants us. He seeks after us. So imagine you are in your gospel community and you're trying to help people not just understand that they've been adopted, but that the spirit experientially moves us to a heart understanding of what that means. So how, based upon your roles in this, do you think you could lead some questions and help your GCs to come to the place of understanding God wanting us and then by focusing on what God first did to lead us to an experiential place of understanding what that means deep in our hearts. So, I mean, I think the way that I perceive this when you talk about adoption, right, you're, it's an active choice to, to bring these kids in, right, to, to, accept responsibility for them. You have every expectation to provide everything that these kids need, you know, financially, um, roof over their heads. And, and that is something that has to be pursued in order to be accomplished. And, and so I think that to me is the part where you think about God coming after us, Mm -hmm. pursuing us, pursuing relationship with us, choosing to do something so magnificent that he would purchase. Yeah, it takes responsibility, take responsibility for, for our sins yeah. because he's bringing us in yeah. and Jesus dies in our flesh. Yeah, the beauty yeah. of the gospel. Yeah, one of the things that happened when when I was going through redemption was halfway through that, um, this thing happened and the light bulb went on for me. But our oldest um, at that time was like maybe seven or eight months into his military career. He'd gone to boot camp. He was down in San Diego at, at uh, tech school. And like 10 o'clock at night, I was texting with, with my wife and, and so, you know, saying he's got these swollen red bumps all over and he's itchy. And um, I think Manette said, you know, send me a picture, let me see. And so like gets a picture and it's obviously like, full-blown allergic reaction hives. And, and so she calls him and she's like, you you know, you need to go to medical, you need to do this, you need to do that. And like, I'm hearing her side of the conversation and I'm like, it's 10 o'clock at night. We're five hours away. I get up, I start getting dressed. Like I'm going to drive to San Diego. (laughs) And she says, what are you, what are you doing? And I was like, "I'm, I'm going to San Diego. My, my kid needs like, he's, he's sick. He's having an allergic reaction. Like I gotta, I gotta go. Um, and she's like, he's, He's 18 and he's in the military and he's got good medical and he signed a contract to like die for our country. If we had to, it's just an (laughs) allergic reaction. But it was a realization for me that, that that's, that's God Mm. pursuing us. That's God caring for us. That's God picking us up when we fall. That's that fatherly love that, that even as a, as a parent to a, adult child, um, it, it never goes away. That, that gut reaction to go save your kid, rescue your kid, pick them up, dust off, dust them off. If they fell off their bike, even at 18, when they're serving in the military, you still have that reaction. And I think through the adoption process, that's, that's that, that pursuit, that, that desire, that drive to, to, take that ultimate responsibility and then that's the responsibility that you, that you then have and it's permanent you didn't drive down then 
No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> yeah, I have the Casaros in my GC who have uh, decided, chosen to uh, bring in relative kids uh, as kinship care, and they're in the process of starting the adoption. So, so in um, yours, you might bring in one of the kids who has mm-hmm. in that process and say, this is what they are experiencing. Right. Yeah, I think the girls can speak a lot into what it means as a child to uh, be of two worlds, so to speak, and to lo- be loved and to be chosen and pursued and, and why it, it meet, what it means to them. Uh, would probably be the first place I'd start. So I could also look at to, you know, liken it to family members who've taken care, even if they haven't made the the formal step of adoption, at least you get a foretaste of what that responsibility is and that that Jesus pursuing us, like Paul talked about. And and from there, then you can extrapolate like, well, what, what happened if, mm. what you know, would you make that commitment? You know, because with Elisha, I had to make that commitment. I made that commitment really the day I proposed to Hillary because I, I knew where it was going. Now with Rachel, when we got the call, I had a little bit of a nutty and she knows that because um, we were, you know, a lot, lot of change in my life. Uh, and now it's funny, we're over a year later and I'm fighting court to get me to adoption. Like where at first I'm like, you know, what's the cost? So And, and so my GC's actually walked through all this with me for the most part. So I think experientially calling back to the struggle they they see like me going from ah yeah I think we'll take Reacher to now I'm fighting to get to court date you mm-hmm. know and stuff so I I don't know if that answers here but I think they can see me experience my experience in that mm-hmm. for me I think one of the things that that I could do is when you know my mom my mom's been married a few times and growing up I never really felt wanted by any of my dads. They, they just like things I didn't like to do. And so we never really connected. And for me, when I hear about or think about adoption and the experience part of that, it is as I understand the gospel better and focus more upon it, I see that I was wanted by God himself. And sometimes I feel like he's the only one who ever wanted me, period. You know, because, you know, my whole life, I, I just see things of just how jacked up I am. And yet to believe that God really wants me, it's huge. It has to come down to that, right? That he wants, for his glory, he wants us. And there's a cost to that, mm-hmm. that we, we just celebrated Easter, that 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 good Friday cost. And think, and think of like when, when Paul, when you're talking about, you know, the things you give up and you, you give it for your kids and the things that you do and all the time that you take out. And that, that is like such a, a tiny sliver of the amount of what God has done for us, Mm -hmm. right? You you take that and you think of all the things that you've done, how personal it was to you, you get, you know, choked up. And yet just the infinite more of what God did for us, it, that I think that is what the spirit does as you begin to understand that adoption because the son does it. You are adopted no matter how you feel. When you trust in Christ, you're adopted. But the spirit makes that, gives you the feels, gives you the, I get choked up about it because I'm thinking about what God did. And, you know, I maybe that's a helpful direction to go for people in their GCs this week mm-hmm. to move to the place of experientially understanding 
the depth of what God did to save us. And it really does become the new norm. Like you mm-hmm. really like, so my, actually my first experience with adoption was actually my younger sister was, uh, was adopted and I don't even think about it. Like in my day to day, I really don't. It means she's just my sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. Paul, I mean, for for your kids now, it's, uh, if I didn't know you guys and your backstory, I would never assume that the kids were adopted. I would assume that they are your kids because it just becomes natural. Sometimes even on, on the, you know, the backside of, of, of salvation, right. Finding Christ and developing a relationship. I think we even, we even kind of get to a point though, where we take it for granted, right. Mm -hmm. We don't, you know, you don't see it from the outside looking in, but at the same time, you know, even as 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 the children of God, and and not understanding what that pursuit looked like and what it meant for him, you know, on the backside of Easter, what it meant for him to make the sacrifice that he made in in, a, in an effort to pursue us, and what that looks like in a, in our daily lives, and what that looks like in our relationship with him, because now we are family. We mm-hmm. are God's children through that sacrifice. Um, and he pursued us. Mm-hmm. He pursued us to, to this. And, and, you know, that warrants us pursuing that relationship back because he cared so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I think we all have, if we are been adopted by God, we all have a legal status change. And so it's important to remember that to display uh, the fruit of it, because we're still going to be just like your boys. They're uh, they're knuckleheads to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're still kids and sinful, and just like we are all are. So, how can we better be the family of God together, acknowledging our need for adoption, um, and yeah, relying on the Holy Spirit being sent to really empower and remind and equip us to. Like you said, welcome others and yeah, to we get encourage. to invite people into this family. Yeah, I don't want you in my family. You know what? <laughs> well, that's, so you look at everything going on politically. It you can boil it down to people wanting to be accepted, right? They want to be loved, and sometimes it's I'm going to be accepted by being the odd one out, which being the odd one out is, is now is the, now the, the, the end thing the one that's in. Right? <laughs> but uh, it's so many people just want want to be accepted and, and that's brokenness and that is found in the person work of Christ and that is the good news yeah I think it's good excellent thanks Paul 